and welcome to Coaches on the Rise, the podcast for all coaches of all sports. I'm your host, Cecilia Slater, and today I'm visiting with uh, Kelly Nascimento DeLuca and Susie Petroselli, who are uh, putting together this incredible documentary called Warriors of a Beautiful Game. And it tells the stories of women around the world and what they have actually had to go through to play soccer, the game that they love. Um, Kelly has a very famous father named Pele, who was a great soccer player in his own right. Um, some might say he's still the greatest of all time. And Susie uh, was a Harvard soccer player. And the two of them are, are just really fascinating women. And this documentary is set to be released during the Women's World Cup, which starts this month in France. And I actually happen to be going to the Women's World Cup. So I'm very excited to watch some incredible women's soccer and also to see this film when it is released. We'll keep you in the loop. Uh, check out the show notes for their website. And let's get on to the conversation. Hi, today I have the wonderful opportunity to visit with Kelly Nascimento DeLuca and Susie DeLellis Petricelli. And they are working on a project, uh, a film called Warriors of a Beautiful Game. And let me tell you what, it's a beautiful idea. I love it. So... <laughs> Thank you both, um, Kelly and Susie, for taking time. I know you all are here in Gainesville um, getting some film of one of the women that you're following in your project, um, Laisa Rujo. Um, and so can you tell me a little bit about this project, Kelly, and what it, you know, what's the whole gist of it? What is, if you had to summarize the project, what is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I think it, um, I would summarize it as sort of a love letter to women's football around the world and the passion and the courage and the strength that it takes for a woman to choose this path and then fight for it. And, uh, and you know, whereas uh, young men are applauded for it in most of the world and all they have to do is, you know, shed their blood, sweat and tears to be amazing players, women have to devote an equal amount of energy in most places to just be able to be allowed to play it and, and yeah and you um you have a really interesting football background yourself and you know having a fairly famous father I mean he played, <laughs> he played a little bit of soccer in Brazil but um, um Kelly's father is Pele and uh, quite a soccer legend and you've made a name for yourself as this um, activist and you know I, I'm just sitting with you and talking with you your passion both of you you know you both are very passionate about this work so what is your hope that this doc is so it's going to be a documentary correct and yes like, it's a documentary mm -hmm. that's, that's it's going to be a lot like a narrative uh film so that i'm trying very very hard to make it palatable for kids right and i know documentaries are heavy on talking which you know i find that i was i had very lofty dreams when i started but there's so much information that needs to be put and i think that's how every documentary filmmaker feels you know but i still want to you know want it to be a film that kids can enjoy without having the burden of, you know, because it's gonna hopefully be in so many countries, it's bound to have subtitles no matter, no matter where you go. So I want it to be uh, heavy on the, on the soccer or football, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then some, you know, a lot of voiceover information. We're still trying to figure out how to fit all that in and still have a 13 year old be able to enjoy it. <laughs> but um, I, think, I, I think that my hope with this is, first of all, I think that most people don't know 
the, the varying levels of struggle for women who want to be athletes, period, around the world. Um, just because we're so busy trying to survive our own lives as human beings, right? Um, I think that even women who are in soccer in America don't know, you know, what's going on in soccer in other countries. And I feel like awareness, you know, a lot of times I feel like uh, a lot of things can happen because nobody knows they're happening and nobody cares. And I think that even without ha asking anybody to act actively do anything, uh, showing people what's happening and sort of creating a, like a, 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 an international sort of uh, dialogue. Uh, yeah, dialogue and mm -hmm. upheaval, and and I really feel like it's a great time to do sort of a collective, international holding of hands for this sport specifically, because I think it's like right there, you know, at the at the at the door of huge success, especially here in America, and um, and I think that a lot of things can happen when you're comfortable and nobody's watching, mm -hmm. you know, and I and I also think that, um, and I don't know how long winded I want to get about this, but I think there are countries like Brazil and like other countries in the world that are, you know very patriarchal and have like sort of entrenched in misogyny that women have learned to be successful by working within the constructs of their culture mm -hmm. right and it's a huge amount of effort and I think a lot of what you learn to do is to not complain and to figure out a way to do it and I just feel like I, I think it's time to uh, like show women that it's okay to complain mm -hmm. that you're allowed to be like okay well this shouldn't be like this right mm -hmm. I, and I think that that would be a huge thing if you you know there are a lot of young players even who um, you know don't feel like they'll they have to figure it out mm -hmm. and, and, and it's true you do obviously you do you know you have to figure it out to be able to be successful where you are but I think it'd be nice to, to you know to see each other in this film and then to start talking about it and to start, you know, just making, helping people to feel, to, to feel like it's okay to be pissed. And is, are you going around every continent? Is that what you're doing and finding a woman? Or how are you finding these women to tell their stories? Well, first of all, and like Susie can speak to this, it really is like a brush fire. Like these, and, that's, and we thought it would be from the beginning. These women have been waiting to be found for a very long time, mm -hmm. so it's really not hard. So the story that we're, we're in, and, and we are we are ruled by our budget. So, <laughs> so the story that so the film is structured where Laís, the young woman who is Brazilian and is here at University of Florida, she sort of represents for us the future of football, right? Mm -hmm. She's right at the, she's a senior, she's very talented, and she represents sort of the future. So she sort of holds your hand emotionally through the film, and uh, and she helps us sort of try to figure out. What is, the, what is Laís's future? What is the future of women's football? And within that, we tell a little bit about the past. You know, we, we pay due diligence to, you know, Judy Fa Julie Foudy and Mia Hamm, and, you know, and then we tell, talk a little about the present. Mm -hmm. And then we sort of try to um, uh, flush out what the barriers are, uh, you know, here especially, because here we are the closest to the kind of success we want, right? And then throughout the world, a little bit of how, you know, we need to get sometimes come from places where you can't even play. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, now I forgot the question. Did I answer the question? <laughs> yeah. Well, you were talking about um, the, the, the stories of other girls around the world. Oh, yeah. There's the, so many stories yeah. that, you know, we're, we're definitely, you know, there's no way we can fit them all in a 90-minute movie. Um, you know, there's, there's grassroots organizations. What we found is there's grassroots organizations around the world that are already, you know, helping these women. They're on the ground. Um, and they've been doing it for years in, in very localized situations and fighting the barriers that girls are seeing and experiencing um, in their own culture, in their own, um, in their own village or town or, or city. 
Um, so what we're trying to do is make sure that those women know that, and those girls know that we're here and we're listening and we see them and we, we're, you know, we want to tell their story and that, you know, um, we're going to, you know, we're on the, we're on the case. We're, we're doing our best. To yeah. I think we're, what we're trying to do is sort, sort of, um, find a, a good example of each situation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of sort of in a storytelling narrative sort of way of, uh, each sort of you know, in a place where people cannot play, but they do anyway, and sort of the evolution of the sport uh, and to try to find one or two young women who can give us a, a sort of a little window into their world. Um, and we also want to show, you know, yeah, exactly, in different continents and sometimes even in the same, you know, a, a little bit. So, so, so if we do our job right, uh, ideally we'll have a, a, a story representing each of the barriers mm, okay. uh, and maybe more than one, you know, for, for, for different sort of variations on a barrier, but mm-hmm. that's our goal. Well, the interesting thing is, you know, I've always thought of being able to play sport as a privilege, you know, and it's a privilege that many men get around the world mm-hmm. and I think it's you know it's it's always and, and I think what you're doing is kind of bringing this visibility to this issue because a lot of times you know privilege is invisible to those who have it so if, if you have this yeah you know these men have this privilege to play um, and seeing wow you know I just I just took that for granted right. you know right, where right. you look at these women's stories around the world and what they had to overcome just mm-hmm. to get on the field right? yeah um, is really, really. Uh, I think it's going to be very um, empowering. Uh, what yeah. a great, what a great um, project that you guys are are taking taking on. And and even like you look at the United States. I mean, yeah, women have opportunities, and yet we're still not, you right. know, in yeah. full equality. But when you share the world story and perspective, in perspective, yeah. Yeah. it's like wow, you know, you really. And you were sharing a little bit about um, how, you know, when you look at the countries and how the when women have opportunity how they're doing as a country economically yes, can you share yeah. a little bit about how you what well, you found about that yeah well i mean i've always been interested in uh in um i suppose like international politics and and uh when when doing this project it, it was it became immediately glaringly obvious that the 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 level of equality of women in sports or women in soccer in each individual country mirror the, their level of equality in that society and in turn mirror that's that country's economic health mm-hmm. and i think because you know because we know that the more women we have with a voice in a country the better this country does in every aspect uh, and i think that that is really important and i think it's important to you know uh, to show those things and to and for young men especially and that's the thing that i think is amazing that we found while going around and i found while uh, just interviewing people and talking is that the the generations in front of us and even our generation but but the generations that are you know younger than us they don't the boys don't have a problem with it they don't they just don't have the the, the it's not in their wheelhouse to fight for it, it and and we say this all the time it is uh, we we hope that it is a build it and they will come kind of thing because they really have you know they all the young men that we've talked to are very excited about being able to do something about it because it's not they don't think about it first of all because i don't think you know we're, we we've we've geared them towards thinking that much about anything you know kids in general right but you know what 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 pertains to them but i think that they also don't think about these issues and when they hear about them they think they're insane but they there's no really no nothing nowhere for them to do anything about it 
So I, I don't feel like this is a problem that can be sustained. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially here and in countries that are, you know, more sort of evolved in terms of equality. It's, a, it's not a sustainable situation that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. There's no way to keep a lid on 50% of the population. Yeah. You were even sharing with me earlier about... Um... George W. Bush. Yes. Um, in fact, and that was one of the things. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I like to tell people that the last, you know, three presidents or who I consider to have been the last three presidents. So Clinton, <laughs> Bush and Obama um, all agreed on one thing is that in order for us to have any kind of stability around the world, we needed to bring more women to the table. We needed to educate women because women make decisions. Women influence their their young, uh, their children uh, much more than men in all over the world so much so that George and Laura Bush uh, founded the the Afghan Women's Foundation in Afghanistan with the only mission to is to to educate Afghan women because you know of, of all in his entire experience during his presidency his one of his biggest take homes was that we, we need to educate women in these countries or we're in trouble and and isn't that the foundation of a lot of the micro loans people are doing yes. too there yeah giving women I money the, yes. in the different countries because they know the women will use the money to build their community, yes. whereas a lot when of you, men will take the money. And when you empower them women, they take everyone with them. Yeah. When you empower men, they use it for mm-hmm. themselves. Right. Um, yeah. But I think that it's just the way the world is structured, too. I don't think it's because men are evil. I just think it's the way it's structured. We just need to change, slowly change that structure, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, we, and I, I think, too, like it's the way it's structured. And I think it's, it does hold some attitudes in it and how the world is structured for sure. Absolutely. And how do we shift some of that to where those, what the women bring is appreciated and honored. Yeah. And like, I, I feel like, you know, as people get older, they appreciate and honor the women. But I think as they're in it, they don't always appreciate it. But when you look at it, how do we really honor what a lot, what women bring to well, the table all around the world? That, I mean, I think that's a huge, it's going to be a huge culture shift and shift in thinking. And I think that's something we talked about before is very, very important. And Melinda Gates is really big on sort of, you know, how to shift the paradigm by uh, women have to get paid for what they do, even if it's not necessarily, what they do in the home. We don't see that as a job. We don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I felt like, you know, the pressure to start, even though I've raised four children and I haven't, I'm not done, right? I have a seven-year-old, but I, I felt the pressure to get on it and start helping financially. And I know that that's sort of a, a, a financial necessity, right? Because what I saw was my older kids starting to go to college and I started to panic. But I feel like what I did was not work. Even though there are people who, you know, I have friends who would go to work sooner than stay home with their kids, and I right. get it, by the way. Right. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. But I feel like we have to change that because we don't value what women do, mm-hmm. and 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 then and and we and women don't value what they do. Mm-hmm. And as uh, one of the things that's really interesting when you when you research, uh, you know, the 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 barriers of women in in sports, and and it's absolutely a fact is that you go around asking especially in the early days of soccer in Brazil, they had a very, fairly strong uh, following the women, you know, the women's teams in, before they outlawed soccer in Brazil for mm-hmm. women, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was, you know, detrimental to their baby-making organs, apparently, yeah. Um, that you would ask men what they thought of their wives playing soccer, and they said, you know, well, they thought it was really cool, but who was going to do what they did, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I have to go to work. Yeah, who's who's going to do that other stuff? Table. And they're absolutely right. <clears throat> They're 100% right. Mm-hmm. But that's because that other stuff didn't carry any value, you know, monetary value. It didn't carry any sort of, you know, you don't see it as, you know, helping to, to grow a family, yeah. right? Like, so I think that ha- that's 
pretty much one of the most fundamental things that we have to be working on. And there are people working on it, but I mean, it, it's really important. And it's important for us who have boys yes. to work on it because I hear my kids say things, you know, mm-hmm. right. um, in yes. spite of how everything we talk about and everything we try to, to impart on them, you know, it's the culture is so strong. strong. It right. is. It's like, it's, it's not terrifying. even just what's going on in the home and how you're raising your boys. Yeah. It's what's going on at school, what's right. going on with their team, yeah. what's the language that's being used all around them, what they're reading, the pictures that they're seeing. It's right. like, and the internet. Oh my God, if yes. I'm a parent now, I don't know how you guys I know. Can, It's like, how do you do that? You know, I keeping know. your kids, um, you know, off that, the internet piece. Yeah, I, I think like when, when you look at the caregiving aspect like you're talking about and how we don't value caregiving in our culture because you know for uh, last year um, Becky and I had a lot of caregiving with her parents you know and her parents both passed away last year but the the couple years before that there was a lot of caregiving involved in them when they were getting older and, and became ill and it's like there's that aspect too so it's not just children you, you see the women then having to care for the parents who get older too. So there's this whole aspect right. of caregiving that's not necessarily built into our, our work culture or our career culture mm-hmm. um, here in the U.S., but it's so important, you know, yeah. it's such an important piece. Um, you're absolutely right. right. It's, a, it's a piece of like the gender-defined roles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like we have in our society these gender-defined roles that are very binary, and um, we, just need to, we just need to throw that all away. Mm-hmm. We need to break that down and throw it all away and let people, you know, everything should be gender neutral. It should be shared. We should all, you know, be pitching in on both sides. We, uh, you know, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be even, you know, we had this situation when we were in Brazil. We were in, in um, Laís's, where Laís grew up. Um, and there was a little boy who wanted a gold bracelet that I had. And um, so I gave it to him, and the next day he didn't have it on. And I know Kelly asked him what happened to the, or I asked Kelly to ask what happened to the bracelet. He said he had to take it off because the, they said it was a girl's bracelet. Mm. Um, so he took it off, and he, you know, he said, well, maybe give it to your mother or give, give it to your sister. But even that, like the, the gender, you know, roles are so defined, um, you know, that the, the caregiving is a women's role, that soccer is a men's role, that, you know, the jewelry is a, the gold jewelry mm-hmm. is a women's role. Like, those things are so hard to break down. Yes, right. right Especially sure. if women's roles are not valued as much as men's roles. Exactly. That's another That's right. huge thing exactly. because you know, uh, you know, a man is a caregiver, and you know, like look at what they do to male nurses. I mean, it's crazy how you know what I mean. What yeah. they the, the crap they have to take for being nurses. Right. It's like yeah. I mean. How is that? I mean, that's, yeah. you know, or it is home. so much harder to be a nurse than to be a doctor. Yeah. For sure, for sure. <laughs> or stay at home father. Yeah, guys, exactly. Stay home to be the dad yeah. while the mother, the mother works. Yeah. You know, like well, the kind of grief that they get. You know, that's it's true. Like, that's right. It's just that whole, that, the whole piece of it. So given that Brazil is your home country and Laís is kind of the main, you know, storyline mm-hmm. through this. For the people that are listening to this podcast, could you share with them a little bit of the history, like to give them an example of what women go through just in Brazil to play soccer? Um, well, you know, we've evolved very, a little. I mean, actually, I, I, mean, I think if you're a Brazilian soccer player, you would say a lot. But, um, and it's, it's not, you know, it, what I'm learning also, it's not unlike a lot of the rest of the world that we think is so much more evolved. But in Brazil, in 1941, I think it was, it started in the... Basically, they were religious groups who uh, women's soccer was becoming very popular. And uh, there were religious groups who sort of started, you know, revving up trouble, right? And they, they, and they, were, they were 
um, saying it wasn't right and blah, blah, blah. So eventually what happened is they actually roped in a physician who happened to be a minister in, in the government to declare that it was unhealthy for women, that it was uh, dangerous for their, for their reproductive organs uh, to play the sport, uh, so that within a few years it became illegal. And it was military rule at the time, uh, uh, slowly. So uh, then it was not enforced a lot at first, but then it was enforced. Um, and they couldn't even play recreationally. Uh, it became legal again in 1981. Wow. I know. Um, wow. Almost 40 years later. Yeah. Wow. And uh, for me, it always, there's, you know, there was no, um, yeah, there's so much that is, well, I, I I have a theory of something that could be, you know, equal pay or getting paid. It's about changing a mindset. But all there are so many reasons for why. And and I, it's, at the end of the day, I really do feel that every parent or the major, everyone's doing the best they can. They really are. Everyone's doing the best they can. And there, ninety nine point nine percent of parents really just want their kids to not suffer. So so much of this, uh, uh, so much of this. Uh, uh, prejudice and these sort of really ideas that seem backward, you know, to the point of being, um, you know, hurtful to society, right, and to individuals are really come from like a fear of your child not being okay or your child being teased or beaten up or, you know what I mean? So I feel that um, it, it, it'll help. So, you know, and a lot of that has to do with gender. It has to do with A, girls getting hurt, girls being manly. It's going to make them manly. It's going to make them... Um, uh, you know, who's going to marry him, you know, who's, you know, all these things, um, which I feel today that a huge percentage of, of them could be uh, assuaged by these girls getting paid, right? Yeah. Like if, you're, if your child can have a phenomenal career and, you know, and, and feed the rest of her family, which is what most Brazilian people young people want. do right. Right. when right. they get a career is start feeding their family, um, half of those, more than half of those would go away. Even the religious issues that people have with, you know, if you, I mean, and and forget about Neymar money, but like if a girl could make as much money as Neymar or LeBron, Mm -hmm. do you, I mean, how many of these problems would be just like, all right, well, (laughs) so so she may get a few cuts, you know, know? so I think that it's a, it is, it's a, it's a respect thing. Mm -hmm. I all, you know, and I, it's always, uh, it's always been really crazy to me that Marta is not as famous as my dad. No, like Martha and Abby and these women should be, should enjoy the same things. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why that they don't. Yes, right. You know, they they play as hard, they work as hard. They, they're you know, I mean, Mar- Martha's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, Martha's. Uh, She's crazy, is amazing, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Abby also. I yeah, mean, both of them, right? I mean, there are other women that they they right. really deserve to have. Um, if not, you know, and I understand that it has to get to sort of the people have to come, you know, I know that what they, what you pay for a male player, uh, you know, to a, a contract and, and trading contract reflects what you're going to make back. So I understand that there's the, the numbers part of it, but that also, you know, can be, can change. It's just a matter of mm-hmm. people. It is, just, changing. It it is, is changing. changing. We've seen, you know, we've seen, you know, obviously in the United States since Title IX, right, 46 years now, mm-hmm. um, and we've come a long way, and um, in, in the last 10 years, uh, everywhere else we've come, you know, things are changing, but um, but it's a gradual process, and, yeah. you know, you have to build the respect, and, you know, you have to gain fans, and building an audience takes a lot of work, and obviously we need more media coverage, we need the stories told, we need the rivalries 
built. We need, you know, the the media to, to show that there's a great rivalry between these two teams, and we need to, you know, we need to create that buzz and that hype in the women's yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is building. It's just going to take, you know, hard work and time. Right. Yeah. One of the things you were talking about with um, the situation in, in Brazil, in particular, with barriers to women, is, you know, we we been looking at it, and we were there, and we saw where Laís came from, and we we met her parents, and. Um, you know, originally I was thinking that the barrier was really like a cultural thing, like I was saying, like this gender-defined roles and how it, you know, was sort of frowned upon for women to get out there. But what we found is it was really fundamentally her, her parents and particularly her father's fear of her actually being out of the house with this particular group of kids that he didn't know very well. And it was a fear of the unknown, really. He didn't know who was out there. He didn't know if there was any kind of you know illegal activity going on out there it was it was um you know it was a real fear mm-hmm. of, of his daughter being protecting his daughter yeah protecting yeah. his daughter well, well they you know they they were they live in a favela they live mm-hmm. in you know and where they often their bullets flying and favela for people who are not familiar with that term is, is right it's like it's that like, that it's, like it's like a uh, well it's it's really cl- becoming close of you know more than half of brazil but it is like a shanty town for you know for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. It's a, 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 a they're they're not they're, they're huge entire towns without real infrastructure, right? And you build your own home out of whatever you can and a lot of poverty. A lot of oh, complete mm-hmm. and extreme complete poverty. poverty. Yeah, and where they played, which is really close to the the house, just like a, it wasn't even a field; it was a patch. Um, you know, there were, you know when the co- when the cops come around, still till today, there are bullets flying. And he was at work, and he didn't want to have to worry about her, you know. And and a lot of the boys she played with, you know, were some of them didn't go to school, you know. And that that was what was available to her, and uh, uh, you know, so much so that as soon as he found, and and that's the thing when he used to play in a team, and he used to take her with him because she loved it, and she would play on the side, and all of his teammates would be like, "You got to put this girl in school. She's amazing." And he did. He found a school a school for her, mm-hmm. but he didn't want her playing. With you know, with with the boys that played on the street when he was at work, he didn't want to worry about her. He didn't want her there, uh, and he you know, and he was very very strict about it. And his fear was that she was going to get hurt. Right. right, right, exactly. It wasn't about her being a girl, being a girl playing. playing. It was soccer. more like yeah. how really can I keep her safe? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And you know, one of the other stories I've heard around the history of Brazilian women's soccer is around their looks like like they were kind of chosen for right. particular teams based yeah. on how they yeah. looked can you say a little um, bit about well that, that happened in a couple of tournaments um and i think that it's, it was a very misguided uh, attempt by men right because to who i mean that well let's back, i want to back up to say that i think that every you know the institutional racism in every country is very different and mm-hmm. how it manifests itself and i think brazil has to do with how you look mm-hmm. um and I think that uh, the people who have been, uh, well, sexism takes different, yeah. 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 Or, 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 racism, I'm sorry, sexism, yes, yeah. sexism. And in Brazil, it's how you look, right? I mean, that Brazilian women are beautiful, that's what they're supposed to be. Do whatever you want after that, but that, you know, like your maintenance is what you need to be doing. The answer almost to every problem is make them prettier, right? Mm-hmm. The answer to, to not having enough of an audience is make them prettier. So uh, in 2000 and 13 or 14, they had this yeah, this man, his last name was Cunha, and he was what the uh, the CBF, our federation, put him in charge of advancing the women's game. He was a physical therapist within the federation. 
I don't know how he got that honor and what, what, what are his qualifications. Right. But his immediate response to that challenge was to, and he, there's this actual, you can Google it, there's a, he gave an interview, I think, to The Telegraph or The Guardian of The Telegraph that he said, you know, things are going to change in Brazil. You know, men, nobody wants to go see a woman who looks like a man play. So, you know, we're going to make their, their um, uh, kits a little snugger, their shorts a little shorter, you know, we're going to get some makeup. I mean, he actually said this as sort of, you know, sort of, you know, like touting strategy, his like brilliant strategy, yeah. strategy <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, um, and I think that's always been uh, 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 a problem. And actually, <clears throat> one of the players, we Brazilian players that we interviewed for this, Monica, said so many amazing things, uh, so many really amazing things. But one of the things she said also is that she said, you know, she's heard, you know, she hears that uh, players are so masculine, they look so masculine. And she said, well, you know, and, and women who like sports, whatever. And she goes, but look, she goes, look at what we have as a reference, right? I can't buy a shirt that fits me. Right. I can't buy a soccer shirt that fits me, right. even if I wanted to. You know, no little girl in Brazil can buy a Marta shirt that right. fits her. Right. You know? Um, we, you know, I, if I love soccer, I'm going to have to wear a Neymar shirt or a, a, a Ronaldo shirt. And it's, you know, and it's going to be like a, a, a large men's shirt right. and my shorts. And I'm going to go out and go play soccer because these are my idols mm -hmm. because I don't see anybody else. Mm -hmm. She said, so it's not always just that, you know, we don't care about how we look or, or young girls who like sports don't care about how they look. It's just not, we, there's no one for us to look at, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That is feminine and an amazing athlete. You know, if that's your issue, and there's no one for us to, you know, and, and there's nothing for us to buy, if we want to buy a shirt that that is doesn't, and you know. If, and if there is a shirt, if someone has decided to create the women's shirt, they they put a little bit of pink on it and they sell it as a women's shirt. Right. Yeah. Know? Right. I mean, that's not really, you know. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So um. You know, and then and and, when, and and one amazing thing that she said also, when I asked her what the difference she, she what what difference did she find when she came to America or when she left Brazil to play for the first time, was there a big difference in how she was treated? And she said, you know, I was with the national team already when I left Brazil to play. So a lot of things were, you know, we did get good care. We did get, you know, but she said the one difference that I found when I came here that really I thought was really incredible was respect. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I was respected as wow. an athlete. Wow. Then she said, I, and, and I didn't realize I wasn't respected until I got here. And then I, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is a cool thing that I do. People think this is a cool thing. Wow. Yeah. That's right. And That's she had right. already been on the national team yeah. for 10, 15 years. Yeah. yeah. 10, 15 years. Like, I mean, what, she's FIFA player of the world for, what, a couple of times, right? At yeah. Least. Well, this is Monica, Monica right? Did yeah. I say my Monica? Yeah. Oh, oh, but nice. she is one of our best. Yeah. 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 You know, she's right yeah. up there she's with Mark. She's one of our best. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Well, um, one of the things that I hope comes from this, because I, I really did respect the women's U.S. team for taking on the pay difference, you know, and they still have a little ways to go to get even more equal pay, but the fact that, you know, they do have great crowds here. They, yeah. The women's national team has a fantastic following. Right. You know, they, and yet the men don't even make it to qualify, and they're still getting paid more than yeah, the women. Right. And so there's this whole... When you talk about pay, you know, yeah. we have the opportunity to do that in our country. And, yeah. and so I look at it like I hope that, you know, the game of soccer with what you all are providing in this perspective through this documentary is helping lift other countries up. While we're trying to lift the U.S., mm -hmm. 
to a higher standard, well, let's help some of these other countries. And I know Julie Foudy is very passionate about this too, because you know, and seeing like how can we raise the level of women's soccer around the world? You know, mm-hmm. by yeah. let's be the leaders, let's be the advocates for some of these other countries that don't have a voice, that right. don't have a strong enough voice of people in the leadership positions to really change things for women trying to play football around the world. Yeah, U.S. soccer really has uh, has done an amazing job, um, and then there are you know there are other federations that are also doing amazing things like Norway. Um, the Norwegian uh, national teams now are, have equal pay; they're committed to equal pay, and there's other countries that are you know moving that way, um, very close to it. Um, and you know I think we just need to keep focusing on who's you know what's working and who's doing the right things and where the progress is being made the fastest and showing those things as examples, exactly like you're saying, as, as examples of what other countries uh, could be doing and its success. Um, because I think ultimately, you know, other countries want to compete, right? They want their women's teams to compete. They Everyone aspires to have a team that's winning in the Olympics and women and, you know, winning in the World Cup. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, hopefully that competitive nature will spark investment everywhere, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you know, people want to be proud of, of their country as a whole, and they then part of that is your women's teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, a little bit of that competitiveness somewhere will spark people to mm-hmm. to keep investing. So, Susie, you played at Harvard um, at soccer, and mm-hmm. do you what what has been the biggest impact on you being a part of this project? You know, so when I was at Harvard, I I was already at Harvard. This is ironic, but I was already at Harvard playing soccer before I heard of Title IX. Um, and then, you know, obviously I realized that uh, there was this law that was passed in our country and all these women fought for it and, and sacrificed um, for, you know, to get this law passed that ended up shaping my entire life and giving me the gift of soccer and giving me the gift of sport and giving me the gift of a ridiculous education. Um, and so, you know, I realized at that point that, you know, Going further into it, that the rest of the world, most most girls in the rest of the world don't have, didn't have that opportunity, and didn't mm-hmm. have something like Title IX um, that was giving them opportunities. Um, so, being part of this project with Kelly has made me, given me an opportunity to uh, hopefully show the rest of the world, um, you know, that we really need to be investing in these things, and we really need to be giving girls this opportunity, and how important it is, and. Um, it's just been a, you know, an amazing opportunity. Because mm-hmm. I can't, I, I, you know, I have six brothers and sisters. I have four sisters and two brothers. And my oldest two sisters, they didn't have sports for girls yeah. when they were in high school. Right. And, and I, I really, you know, when I sit and think about it, I go, I can't even imagine my life without sport. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I can't even imagine. And, and I think how many of our athletes are playing right now you know how much they do just kind of take it for granted yeah right. and, and and I think we need to do a better job of telling them our exactly. history and telling mm-hmm. them what because they don't get it you right. know they they don't really appreciate it and you know we really can't blame them but it's kind of like we need to yeah. do a better job of of letting them know that not everybody that's still alive on this planet that's a female had the Guess opportunity that. to play sport you know, for, for but I, I really also think the other way around. It's like what Susie is saying. It's not, you know, I, uh, and Abby mentioned this too, which I think is very cool. I we I do want to give people perspective on on you know the the state of sports around the world, but it's all equally, if not 
even more important to show the rest of the world what the U.S. has done, mm -hmm. to show the rest of the world uh, Title IX and yeah. what it and what it has changed. And super important, and and I and I love that Abby said this. It's super important for young girls to understand what came, where they where they came from, but also to demand more. Right? right? It's not going to stop here. Right. It's not okay just because we didn't, you know, because, you know. 40 years ago, we we didn't have this. It's not this. That's not doesn't mean we've reached what we where we, we're going for right, equality. Right. Mm -hmm. We're you know, and it's okay to be annoyed. You know, you you need to have perspective. Obviously, you know, I spoke to a young a woman who's another one. Her name's Erica, and she's an amazing player on the Brazilian national team. She's one of those sort of like you know center mid, like that's like the heart of the team and plays everywhere. She's been for a while. I don't think she's on the national team anymore. But she, I was sitting with her and she's like, you know, these girls, these young girls, like all they do is complain. Like they have no idea that I paid for, you know, that I played for like $300 a month and, you know, I had to sew my own socks. And I'm like, but you know what? They're, they do that because of you. Like they are supposed, they're not supposed to think of that and not ask for more. Right. Mm -hmm. right? It's because of you that they're complaining about only getting like $10,000. And they, you know what I mean? They mm -hmm. should complain about it. This is what you did. This yeah. is why you did it. Yeah. And it's important. You know, you made, you, you created a, a place for them to not be right. content not consider that and not consider themselves, yeah. yeah. you know, second sort of, you know, um, level players that should be happy with what they have right and but and teach them how to become that activist and right. yes. take that exactly. and, and make it productive and to, yeah like, like I, I think like where's we have to con consistently nurture this concept of paying it forward yes right. you know like who Absolutely. the next generation right. and the next generation yes. and that's what i mean by you know getting complacent or taking it for granted yeah. is like really understanding like Hey, somebody did this to me a long right. time ago, and they exactly. pulled me along. Exactly. So now yeah. I have to reach my hand back That's and right. pull yeah. that next exactly. generation along, right. and and do my part, and and in any way that I feel comfortable. If it's if you don't want to get out and march in the streets, then pay yeah. the people who do. Exactly. You know, like that's exactly. what I feel about yeah. it. Yeah. Like if I don't want to get out with my little flag and march in the street, then. By God, well, then pay to give, do donate to the people who. Yeah, yeah. and that's a big them. question that we ask yeah. a lot of our established, the people established athletes that we speak about, speak to for this film, because we, you know, I'm always acutely aware of the difference it, that that it that it is to a, like a Brazilian player, for example, to uh, speak out and a player, an American player, to speak out, right? So, like for example, Laiz has been helping to support her family. And she's in college. Yes. Right. Right. Uh, so for her, speaking out is something completely different than for you know. It, I'm not saying it's easy for anyone, but so you know, one of the things that I wanted to to be able to like have people speak on is, what can you do? Right. There's always something you can do. Right. So how can you position yourself already from day one, so that you ha you position yourself start to position yourself in a position of power. Right. as opposed to not a position of power, right? Mm -hmm. Even as a young player, no matter where you are in the world, what are the little decisions that you're making every day that are deciding where you're going to position yourself in terms of having advocacy for your own career mm -hmm. and your own life? Right, right. You know? it's a, it's a, it, it starts even with self-respect right? yes. and, and expecting other people to respect you. Yes, right. mm -hmm. and respecting other people. And respecting other people. Right. Yeah. right. And I think for me, too, I guess, you know, is really wanting to instill a sense of gratitude. Yes, you know, absolutely. Like it, it's absolutely. A, because I think gratitude is such a powerful energy and, you know, being grateful for the opportunity to play. Exactly. Whatever yeah. it is you're yeah. playing because right. it's like, it, to me, it's like it's not, it was, yeah, it was so great to be physical in your body and compete, but it's just also 
everything that you learn by competing, but then the people that you meet. Exactly. Like yeah. everything in my <laughs> life that I've had that's been wonderful has come through relationships I've made through yeah. sport. Right. And it's it's just really fascinating when you look back on it. Um, right, and learning the history yeah. and learning about the, <coughs> true. the women and, and men. You know, and cool. unity, yeah, thought, yeah. right? Yeah. Like gratitude and unity. Like yeah. the, you know, none of us are free until all of us are free. Yeah, exactly. None of us are whole until all of us are whole. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to. I wanted to ask you, Kelly. Um, just a little side note. Um, like, can you tell me a little bit about what your father thinks of this whole project? You know, like what what is his? You know, is he really proud? Is he like really? Um, what, what is his? You know, <laughs> I think he is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, we haven't talked a lot about it. Mm. Uh, part of the project, you know, he lives in Brazil, and mm. um, I don't know if this is, like, a generational thing, but, you know, they're, they're not great on, like, you know, telephones and, like, you yeah, know, yeah, they yeah. Call, like, you know like, kind of like kids yeah. again when right. you get older. It's right. like, you know, um, but I know, I mean, I know he is from s certain things that he's said, but I think that... Um, uh, he'll also be, I think, uh, I, well, I think he's really proud. Well, one of the things he was very proud of is that I was working with his team, right? When we were working with the Sons of his women's team, yeah. he really loved that because he really loves that team. Like, yeah. he loves that, you know, it's where he started, and it's, it's you know, he was so excited about that. Uh -huh. um, that, you know, he, like, it was like a, fa you know, like, it was like a family thing. Like, we're all, um, and I know, and I know he will be proud. I, I mean, I think he is proud. Mm. Uh, I, we haven't talked a lot about it. Um, we've discussed it uh, uh, strategically. You know, yeah. he's a, he's a, he's a, uh, Strategy. so what are we going to do about this? And yeah. how are you going to do, you know, like, but I, but I, but I, I think he is proud. I do. Yeah. yeah. His last, his last book, um, was, you know, why soccer matters. And, you know, he, the point of the book is that soccer was good for him and it, and it is good for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that that everyone yeah. includes. Yeah. Oh, and he mm -hmm. said it and, and he will be, you know, in the film saying it because he said it so many times, you know, yeah. he, there is no, it's not a gender specific sport you well, know it's a sport brings to everybody, brings to everybody yeah. and everybody needs to have access to it mm -hmm. everybody needs to have an opportunity to to take get from it what he got from it you know mm -hmm. it's too important to make it uh you know it's like they say soccer is a religion in brazil right and in many countries in italy right yeah. so how can you have a religion for only half the population yeah, exactly you know <laughs> yeah no, that's a good point that's a good point when you were growing up did you have a sense of the enormity of your father in your country like no oh no especially not my country we moved here no we i did not i did not i, I think on purpose um i think that uh we were very normal uh within our family we were very very no very very average everything we did uh the only things that i remember uh in retrospect and i think that they were different than anyway than they are now is that i didn't have like i didn't hang out at friends houses and i didn't you know and our windows in our house were uh, bulletproof. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. like, yeah. But you know, like yeah, like but you know, it wasn't like you know, my father came from extreme poverty, and so did my mother actually. So I, it wasn't one of those things where we we have you know, they were very conservative. Uh, so we lived in an apartment pretty much, you know, we all moved in and it was a lovely, and I think for Brazil, we were rich, but mm -hmm. I think, you know, in comparison to here, when I see things, I'm like, this is not, and we didn't, we lived very comfortably. We had, you know, but we never had nannies and we never, you know, we stayed with my grandmother when my parents traveled. Um, we had our holidays with all the family. We didn't have, uh, famous people 
lives at, at the time only because I also think that there were no famous people lives in Brazil in the 60s and 70s yeah, you know yeah. and they, they're, they're, he was pretty much like a a unicorn, I like to say that. You know, they, they didn't know so much so that my grandmother talks about after the fifty, after the the World Cup, um, so they lived in a, in a in a little house in the middle of a street, right? And mm-hmm. she said that for three days straight, night and day, there were lines outside her house, and she would let everybody in. She made everybody coffee. She was exhausted. <laughs> She was literally exhausted, and finally her neighbor went to the police station, and he's like, you know, this lady's going to collapse. Like, you guys need to come do something. Like, this line's not getting shorter. She's up making coffee and reading people. So the police came, and they, you know, they they just asked people to sort of, you know, I mean, literally, like, it was was like a first, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think everything for my family were first. So there was no precedent to say, well, you need to have this. And we actually were moved into, my father had a house built for us, with like a pool, which is huge in Brazil. But it literally, we moved in in literally like six months before he signed this contract with the U.S. So we went back to an apartment in the city. (laughs) I mean, it was a beautiful apartment, but it it wasn't. So I feel like that kept us really... you know, we didn't know the, the difference. We 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 all we we obviously had so much more than ninety percent of the country, but it wasn't um, visible. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just that we didn't worry. You know, we ate whatever we wanted. We went wherever we wanted. We didn't worry about that. But I went to a regular school. You know, with kids. You know, I I did not know this, but there you know there were people. There were there were uh, uh, security waiting for me outside of school and but I didn't know this they didn't take mm-hmm. me there they didn't you know mm-hmm. the story um, about um, your name and then how I was the first Kelly Christina in Brazil and wow. now there's like hundreds of thousands <laughs> really <laughs> yes that's awesome yeah um, I was the first Kelly Christina I've registered in Brazil um, I was named after Grace Kelly my mother just took an L out because she didn't want it to be exactly the same <laughs> and Grace in Brazil is very literal. You know, it's like naming somebody Epiphany. Mm-hmm. So she decided on Kelly. And yeah, it was either going to be Romy Schneider or Grace Kelly. And she <laughs> pulled awesome. the plug on Grace. That's um, great. And uh, yeah, and I was, you know, I mean, at, uh, the reason we had uh, the one incident I remember was that when we moved into our house, those that almost like six months, almost a year that we were there, uh, we lost a couple of tournaments and my father had been injured. So they, they, they shot at my house. They, you know, like the like rap, you know, like fans are very passionate. Oh yeah. yeah. You know? I've, I've heard stories where they actually do kill the people if they miss a goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, or like that. yeah. So, um, and then when we moved here, there was no soccer. So he was introduced to America when we moved here. So he didn't have, there was, you know, and we moved to New York. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's right, like getting line. Right, exactly. <laughs> but you said that when you moved to New York, your parents chose to put you in a United Nations school. Yes. So, yeah. You know, talk about that a little bit. Um, it was very cool. I mean, I think it was to me it was one of the most to this day one of the most important experiences in my life, because um, everyone there was we formed a, a really tight family. You know, even though people came and went, because everyone there was there from somewhere else, right? So. Uh, I mean, talk about appropriation. It's like a big deal today, right? I mean, then, I mean, I probably would have been flagged for appropriation all <laughs> right, because, right. you know, all of our, you know, we, and it was really great because, it, you know, I remember Sundays, you know, we had, I had a, a Swiss friend and we would, on her birthdays, it was fondue and, you know, and, you know, it was, you know, at, 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 at uh, Shawnee's house, it was like Indian food on the floor, you know, and it was things that we thought were normal. And I really feel, and I talked to a lot of my friends who we went to, I went to school with, it was a really, really rude awakening to leave that school. 
and to realize that even New York wasn't like that. Wow. You know, my, I have friends who went to college and had like many nervous breakdowns because it's true because we really thought the world was like that, you know, and we knew that New York, you know, wasn't, I mean, that was a concentrated thing, but we thought that mostly the world was like that, that people had, you know, were, yeah. And, and not only that, but embrace like their family was my family right. that I had no other family here, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and we, and I, I had friends who really had a hard time a really big hard time going to like a regular college after and and just you know mm-hmm. it's interesting because when I was growing up my father was an airline pilot so we were able to travel <clears throat> a lot as a kid and my mother was born and raised in Cairo Egypt and my, my parents met because he, my dad flew to Cairo on TWA when he was wow. flying it's a crazy yeah. thing right our life stories are fascinating yeah. aren't they yes. and and so we grew up, you know, traveling and seeing the world. And my yeah. mother, we'd always have to try people's food, and we'd have to learn a word that they would say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right. Like, right. and I just, yeah. yeah. And they really, I love that we got that instilled in us at a very young it's age. True. And yeah, it's now really I still yeah. love to travel and you know go on adventures and see other cultures yeah. because it's just so yeah, it's just yeah. So yeah. Fascinating. And it does something I think in you that's more than just sort of understanding that yes. the rest of the world has different cultures, right? Because sometimes we understand but we have our inherent sort of little you know uh, uh, right. ideas about people, you yeah. know. It gives you a sort of a I don't know, I guess it it, it instills it in you, yeah. right? That it, I mean that one of the things that I that I try to tell my kids and actually I have my kids in public schools in Queens, which I think is the closest thing I could come now financially <laughs> to to United Nations. <laughs> Um, but I, I, one of the things that was really amazing to, to, to be a part of in an early age in your sort of, you know, formative years is that Christmas was clearly not the most important day of the year. Mm. It wasn't even a question, right? I mean, yeah. it wasn't even something that I thought about. Like there were, you know, there were so many important events throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Christmas just happened to be ours, mm-hmm. you know? And it, so, and, and, and that's huge, I think, yeah, right. especially yeah. today, the way I see it, because because I think the way you grow up, you always, and it's a natural thing, you know, there's your holiday and there's everybody else's holiday, right? And especially if you're in a country where most people celebrate your holiday, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you kind of feel that you assume, even without prejudice, that the rest of the world is like that, yeah. right. you right. know? Right. And, uh, and a lot of, like, difficulties, in, you know, derive from that sort of belief, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, so that I, was... I do think appreciating other people's cultures, and then the other thing you see is everybody's really the same. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's Absolutely. Just like everybody just wants to be loved. They yeah. want to feed their kids. They, they want, want connection. They want they connection. Want they want to belong. Yeah. They want, they want opportunities yeah. for their children. They want, it's like, you know, it's just, that's the part that I think that's the greatest joke that God has going is that you create all these different people to right. challenge us to see our sameness. Yeah. You know, that's and, great. You know, that's like, beautiful. It's so true. You know, like, you know, can you see the sameness? Can you just see that what you're looking at is yourself? Yeah, and it's like that's that's the really amazing thing to me, and I'm so glad that you all are doing this project and and creating this film through the lens of sport and also through the lens of women in sport and young girls that just want to have that same opportunity. They want to play, you right. know, just yeah. want to play. you know, like that whole play. Nike commercial. Right. What is it like? Just let them play, or yeah. just, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, you know. But um, so the the film itself, Warriors of a Beautiful Game. Uh, can you tell us, you know, a little bit in closing here with the time frame and when we can expect to be able to watch this, ahead, this documentary? <laughs> yeah, so. That way I wasn't the one who said it. <laughs> so um, we're hoping to, or the plan is to finish filming by the end of the year. Um, we want to have it um, hopefully in a festival in the spring and have it ready for the, you know, 
right before the Women's World Cup in the summer, which is going to be obviously a huge, um, amazing, fun event mm-hmm. that will bring um, attention, huge amounts of attention to the women's game and, and excitement. And it will, you know, I mean, the, 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 hopefully the way that the media will cover it will allow people to connect with individual players and individual stories and team stories and rivalries and things to, to really um, help individual people connect with those yeah. with, the, with the sport, you know. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for taking on this project and um, making a difference in our world because you definitely are, and I, I can't wait to see it. I'm, I'm going to talk to Becky. We need to go to the, the festival. <laughs> we're on the, the <laughs> festival. No, thank is, you. Yeah. No, thank you, honestly. Thank and you. honestly, yeah. we're just, you know, paying it forward. Mm-hmm. And, I, 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 and, you know, we want the, the goal afterwards <clears throat> is to just go around the world screening it. Yeah. That's fantastic. You know, to whoever will have us. Yeah, well, we and have we'll to gather do enough here. kids. Yeah, we absolutely. Have to do one here with the wherever we can yeah. get enough kids in a room to see it, I mean, I think that's the point. Well, we're, we feel really blessed that you all picked Laïs, uh, right? Because her yeah. story is a good one. Yeah, and we yeah, we feel blessed to have found her. Yeah, she really is. Yeah, and she has gone through a lot to play soccer. Yeah, I mean, she really has overcome a lot of obstacles to be here where she is now. So, and it's it's really a testament to how we all need people to believe in us yeah right. to and get us to where we are her she's also been an amazing advocate for herself yeah she oh, has you know? she's amazing yeah. she's she's like a true she's, she's it's grit and yeah. tenacity yeah. and also people who believe in you i mean like you'll yeah. see her cousins i mean these two boys who i mean they're they'll, they'll make you cry yeah. the amount they believe in her yeah. and the, the stories yeah. they tell about yeah. you know getting her you know like her determination and them you know, sometimes just being there for her out of fear that she was going to, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's really, really lovely. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah. And then just the fact how she wound up at that junior college and then, I know, you know, I know. wound up here. But again, there's just people, you know, that yes. just show yes. up. Yeah. And they, yeah. I think a lot of it with Lais too, and I, I, I think this is pervasive in a lot of the stories, is it's about kindness too, you know, like she yeah. exudes kindness. Yeah. Um, and gratitude. And gratitude. And gratitude. gratitude. Yeah. She's yeah. very grateful she's, she's for just, everything yeah. that she's, you know, that's one thing you can definitely say about Lee. She appreciates it. You know, yeah. I think, I think Becky said she got the appreciation award last year on the yeah, team for, she one, did. Of the, for yeah. one of the character, uh, the character award. So, um, I think it's, I think it's going to be great. I can't wait to watch it. Thank so. you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. We can't wait to. <laughs> <laughs> Hi coaches, thank you so much for joining us on this Coaches on the Rise episode. There's a few little things that we'd really like to ask you to do for us that might seem little, but they're huge for True North Sports. First, if you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe. And we'd really like to hear what you have to say about our podcast by writing a short review. The second thing is please share our podcast with other coaching colleagues that you have. And the third thing is, Join us on social media. Follow the different programs, um, things that we're offering through True North Sports for all coaches of all sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. And until next month, keep shining bright, coaches.